about family because you know, the good, the bad, the kids escaping, doing all that they do, the heartache, all of that that comes with raising kids, you still love your kids, man. You love your family. How many of you guys in here, you love your family? Make some noise about that. Come on. We love our families. And so talking about the vision and value series, talking about we're a church that wants to give people the best life possible by connecting them to God that we talked about last week, right? First and foremost, you got to get connected to God. Okay, then secondly, what we're talking about today is connecting to God's family, but then that you would be equipped to be involved with wherever God is doing in this world around us, that we want to promise the best life possible, but we've got four values that we're all about here. Last week was connect to God has got to be number one. Because otherwise, if we're just a good group of people that are making friends and we're just some kind of a club, that's not enough to give you the best life possible. That's good. That's great. We need the community, but we can only build community when we get the first one down, which is connecting to God. Amen? So connecting to God is first and foremost. Otherwise, why would I waste my time in my career standing up in front of you guys? I would have nothing but a shallow message to preach. I don't have enough wisdom, intellect, experience self-positive motivation to give you guys anything if I can't give you God. If I can't give you Jesus, I can't give you relationship with the Holy Spirit, then this is, I'm, I'm a sad man because I really don't have anything cool to give away. So connecting to God, that's the most valuable thing that we have around here. Secondly, though, that's so important is that God has called us to live in community. As he's called us to not have to go through life together, what we're talking about here today is there is value in being connected to God's family. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, the value being connected. See, right now my life is a little bit of a scary time. See, what's happening is God is blessing our church and we are growing. And it's great that we're saying everybody move in and all of this stuff. And there's not that many seats in the house and the parking is going, 9 a.m. service especially. You guys love this time slot, don't you? This one works good for you. Nobody in here likes to get up early, right? Or maybe this is early for you on a Sunday, right? So this is your slot, and there's a 7 a.m. crowd that's in here, and there's room to spare in there, and 11 a.m., it's filling up too, but you guys love this 9 a.m. time slot, and I don't blame you. That's your spot. That's, your, that's my time, right? That's the only time God is there is that 9 a.m. spot. So I could force you guys to try to wake up early and go to 7 a.m. or go to 11 a.m. or go on Friday night, then you get your whole weekend free. How many of you guys ever thought about that? Like, what? Wait, what? What am I doing here right now? Friday night. But I know that 9 a.m. just works for people. And we're going to continue to pack this place out and to grow. And so what God has been placing on our heart, the Holy Spirit's been speaking. He's been going, your church is growing. 9 a.m. is growing a lot. The reason that you exist is to keep meeting the needs and pushing people to Jesus. But you're packing the house. You can't do it. You can't force them to go to other services. So he told us this. You're going to have to start another off-site extension service around 9 or 9.30, because isn't your job to bring more people to Jesus? Well, yeah, God, but that's hard. And I'm at this crossroads, this scary time, where I want our church to grow, because people need to know about Jesus. And if they like the way that we present him here at this church, then it's my responsibility to create a place. So guess what? As of Easter, we're starting an Ahuimanu Elementary School campus that's going to be our new 9.30 campus for Hope Chapel Kaneohe Bay. Is that cool? That's cool. That's exciting. But you know what I'm thinking? I'm scared because we've never done this before. Started this other extension campus at Ahuimanu, and I'm thinking we're going to need tons of volunteers to run all the children's ministry now at that other location. We're going to need to figure out my schedule. I'm going to have to like preach here, get over there, come back, or we're going to start rotating pastors because I do not believe in 
TV screen pastors. I believe in having a live pastor where you're at with a live worship team. So I got to make that work. But I'm scared. Yay, we're growing. This is awesome. We're starting a new thing. But we need to get volunteers. We need to do the preaching, the worship teams, parking, ushers, greeters. I need people taking care of all of those kids. We need to raise money. This wasn't in the budget this year. What are we going to do? You guys better start giving more, right? I got all of these problems, and it's praise God, it's a good thing, but I'm in a scary season. But you know what? God's put people in my life around me, other pastors that have gone through this road before. They walked it ahead of me. They've done multiple extension services and campus plants and all that. And so I'm thankful that I have a family, the family of God, that I can go to these guys and go, how did you do this? What are some things we can learn? We don't know what we're doing, but can you help us? I'm also thankful for another group of people, which is the staff that's going into it with me, because they're just as scared as I am. They're freaked out. They're like, wait, I, I got to get like 30 more volunteers for children's church. I got to get a new ushering team. We're all scared together. But you know what th- that I find in the midst of it is? It's good to walk into troubles and scary situations when you got someone else walking into it with you. Amen? See, what we're talking about here this morning, family of God, is I'm walking into scary times, but there's other people walking in there with me. There's other people that have walked there before, and they can help me out. So in all of the hardship in life, there is a huge benefit why we're so big on the value of get connected to God's family because God's put people in your life that are going to be there to help you and bless you. And we're going to talk about that, but not only in the hard times, but in the good times as well. I can think of a time, one of my friends and I went surfing down in Mexico. We lived in Southern California, Huntington Beach, and we would drive into Mexico every once in a while to go surfing because the waves are uncrowded and the tacos are cheap. You don't know what they're made of, but they're cheap and they're good. And (laughs) drive across the border and you get uncrowded beaches and everything, right? So we were surfing at the spot one day. We pulled up and it was like nobody on the beach anywhere. And the waves were just perfect, just beautiful, just like head high, just incredible. We just couldn't get in our wetsuits fast enough, get out there and surf. And we're sitting out there and my friend drifted down. He had his own peak waves all to himself. I had my own all to myself. It was just like, I'm in Mexican heaven right now. I'm just, this is amazing, God, right? We're surfing And not only were the waves really good, but they actually got better while we were out there. It got bigger and it was barreling more, right? That's the ultimate thing you can do in surfing is to get barreled, is to get tubed and to hide behind that that curtain of water. And I remember this one wave to this day, I'll never forget this one left that I got where it was literally one of those best waves of your life kind of thing you just remember. And I remember going, God, this is incredible. This is amazing. Uh, uncrowded surf. It's all for me. Thank you, Jesus. Paddle into this wave. Drop in. And as soon as I drop in and just kind of set my rail, it just barrels over me. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be good. And it just kept getting better and better. Like it wouldn't let me out. I just kept going. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. This is so long. And I stood up tall and proud. And I was like, yeah, I was just so stoked. I'm like, wow, this is so long. It might've been like only six seconds or whatever, but it feels like an hour. You know, you just, oh, and I remember coming out of the barrel finally with the spit, right? And just like both arms raised, claiming like, yeah, (laughs) that was me. That just happened, right? And literally the beach is deserted. There's like one little Mexican auntie, like with her shawl, like selling watches or something on the beach. She glanced up. She doesn't even care. Just keep on going, right? And I was like, what, what? My friend is way down the beach. He doesn't even see it. Nobody saw it. And what I learned that day, what I just, I know so much is not only is it good to have people with you in the hard times, but in those victories, victory is so much sweeter when you have other people to share it with, right? Because if nobody saw, then maybe it never happened, right? I tell the story 
And you guys are all, yeah, right. No one saw. What? No, I promise, right? And see, in life, we need to walk through life with other people. The Bible is all about God saying that he is a God of relationships, that direction flows through relationships, that vision and growth in life comes through relationships. And so the problem is this. We as Christians, we as a people group, we are God's family. We're his body. We're his community. And yet we don't make the most of what God has given us. Can anybody agree to that? You kind of live your own life. You got a couple friends. You're doing good. Or you're like, nah, my, my friends are cool. I'm connected to God. I go to church. I think a lot of times we go to church, but we're not really connected to the people. I was watching a movie the other night, um, Charlotte's Web. Anybody? Charlotte's Web? You got kids. I was sitting with the six-year-old. We're watching Charlotte's Web. She fell asleep, but I heard this incredible quote from Charlotte's Web. Are you guys ready for this? I'm about to quote a pig in my sermon right now, okay? Hold on to this. It's pretty deep. Um, The pig, Wilbur, you guys know, he's kind of like the star of the book and the movie, and then Charlotte, the spider, and Wilbur shows up in the barnyard one day, or the farm, or whatever you call that thing, and, and he's jumping around, he's all happy, he's a little young pig, and he's all excited, he goes, hey, who wants to play with me? And it's a children's book movie, so the animals all talk, so they're talking back, no, we can't play, you know, we gotta like sit on our eggs, and we can't play because we're too old, and we can't, so they're all like kind of giving him reasons why they can't play with him. And he's kind of bummed, and he's kind of like, oh, these people aren't that playful, aren't they even friends? And he says this to his goose friend or whatever, his cow friend. He says, but you're all friends, right? And the cow or whatever says, oh, sure, we've been here together all our lives. But then the pig says this, I'm not so sure being in the same place is the same as being friends. Boom. (laughs) That's depth from a pig right there. I'm not so sure being in the same place is the same as being friends. And you know what I thought about? Connecting to God's family. As we come to church here, I'm connected. I'm, I'm adopted in. I've, I've accepted Jesus. So that makes me a son or daughter in the kingdom. And God is my father. And those are all my brothers and sisters. Yeah, you technically, spiritually, you're in, but you're not really connected. Just being in the same place together doesn't make you friends. Just because you gather once a week for an hour and a half at this beautiful location overlooking Kaneohe Bay does not mean that you're actually community or your family or you're the body of Christ like he intended. Can I get an amen out of that one? A little hesitant because we're like, ouch, yeah, that one hurts. But here's the reality of what I want to talk about is sometimes we come to these church things and we expect that I go, I go to church and I don't have community. So what? Nobody's helping me. What's, we blame the church. The reality is there's a verse in Proverbs 18:24 that says it's not always just the church's fault. It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. That's what I want to talk about today is there's a responsibility that we have as Christians to get connected to the body of Christ, to get connected to other Christians because there are great benefits that come with being connected to other Christians. Now, not just like being connected, you could say like, well, I'm connected to other friends and they're not Christians and they speak into my life and they do good things. Yes, they do. There's a lot of good people out there, but if they don't know Jesus, they can't promise to point you to the best life possible They can just promise to point you to some good advice and some good friendship and some good stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to make sure that I've got not just those kind of friends, but friends that are connected to Jesus. Because what happens is you hang out with Jesus people enough, they point you back to Jesus. It wears off on you. So there's a benefit above just friends, which is godly friends, which is the body of Christ. Because they have a little bit more to give you. 
You know, some, some of my friends I talk to, they're like, oh, we're going through this hard thing. They're like, forget about it. Write that person off. Never talk to them again. It's over. It's all good. Then you talk to a Christian friend, and they're going, you know what? Maybe you need some forgiveness. Maybe you need to have a little bit of grace for that person. There's a good relationship going on there. Let's do it God's way. And it may be a little painful or hard to hear, but at the time you're going, wait, but this is actually a really good thing in my life, pointing me back to God and making the right decision. So in Scripture, I always want to talk about this. That God calls us in Ephesians 2.19, he literally says, you're not foreigners in this world anymore. You are now God's family. So he refers to Christians as his family. In Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, a whole bunch of other places, he calls us the body of Christ. That we're all parts of the body. Somebody in here is a toenail, sorry. Somebody is like a big nose. Somebody's an ear. But all of us have a part to play because we're the body of Christ. Christ is our head. And that we're all connected whether we like it or not. We've all got a part to play, even if you feel like, man, I'm just like the pinky toe. I got nothing. God's going, no, there's a reason why you're connected. You need to share that with the rest of the body. So we're his family. We're his body. And then in Acts 2.42, it describes us as a community. It says that the early church, after Jesus had, had come, had preached his message, had went to the cross for us, resurrected, now gone back up to heaven, the early believers started off, this is what church is supposed to be like based on what Jesus was telling us to be like. They were this community. They all hung out together. They went to church together, but not just church together. It says they met in the temple courts to hear the word and all of that. But then they hung out in each other's homes, and they shared meals with generosity and gladness, and they, they praised God together, and they, they prayed together, and they met each other's needs. If someone is in trouble, someone else would step in and take care of them. Is that They lived life like a community, like the body's supposed to, healthy, blessing one another, going through the rough times, going through the good times, celebrating together. And basically, the picture in Acts 2, 42 says, it looked so good to the rest of the world that the Lord was adding to their number daily those that are being saved and being a part of the family. In other words, if we're living our lives right, our non-Christian friends are going to see the love we have for one another, see how we live our life as community, and they can't help but want to be a part of God's family as well. So this is the picture that we're talking about. So I want to give you about four things here today, if you're taking notes, that I see are benefits of the family of God, of you really, truly, honestly getting connected. And This isn't a complete list. There's so many benefits from being really connected to other Christians, but I want to give you about four of them. Here's the first one. Is that being connected to God's family builds your faith. It builds your faith in God. It strengthens you as a Christian. You grow. Ephesians 4 talks about how we all work together to grow up in Christ, to become mature in Christ, that it's not just like a, just between you and God. Salvation is is a personal thing. But growing in the Lord happens when we grow together and it's actually teamwork. Now, I believe this, that the body of Christ, the family of God, they're not going to necessarily grow you in your faith um, in their own power. That it's only God that can change lives, okay? I don't want you to hear, hear me preaching a message just like, Christian friends are the only way. Because we've already covered that last week. God is the answer. It's through Jesus Christ. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we need Christian fan, friends that help keep us accountable, that help encourage us, that help push us back to God. God changes life, but Christian friends push us back to God. So we need that in our lives. They help build our faith. It's a story of um, the coals. How many of you guys... Um, love to barbecue. Anybody like steak or ribs or whatever? Now, I love me a good steak. I don't usually go for steak, but if it's done well, I love a good steak. And I've got some friends that know how to barbecue. Like, 
to the point, like, I don't need to go out to eat at restaurants because their steak is so incredible, melt in your mouth, juicy. How many of you guys are salivating right now thinking about it? Lunch is coming. Hurry up, Pastor Carl. But it's so good, the steak. And then I try it at my house, and I try to do it, and it's like beef jerky, you know, like ugh, leather. And I don't know how to do it, so I, I just, like, go to where all my friends' houses are that barbecue and know how to do it. But part of the reason why I'm like, how come I can't cook the steak the exact same way that they cook the steak? Uh, I heard that Costco uh, ribeye, that's the one to buy. And if you do it right, it'll taste like that. Mine never tastes like that. One of the things I ask my friends about is, how do you get it so perfect and so heated and just juicy and all that? And a lot of them, what they say is, it's all about the charcoal, right? I'm home with my gas grill. Boo, grass is, gas is terrible, right? They got the charcoal. But they're also all about, it's, it's proper coal placement. You got to have the right coals in the right area, the right amount of heat, right? And, and I'm like, really? And here's what, one thing I know about coals is, you got the coals together in a nice, even uh, grouping, that fire will stay hot for a long time. And you'll get a nice, even burn. But if you move one coal away from the rest of the coals, what happens? Nobody barbecues in here. Like, I don't know. That sounds, I, I've never thought of that before. The coal will grow cold, right? It gets cold, like really fast. But all you have to do to get the fire going again is put them all back together. That's a picture of God's family at work right there. You separate us and you go, well, I know Jesus. I'm good. I'm in the barbecue. Yeah, but you're separated. You're not connected to the other coals. Your faith grows cold. It grows dim. As you get together with these other people that are fired up on God, you can't help but catch that fire as well. That's why we need people. See, in, in my life, when I was going through my, my formative years of my faith, learning to grow in God and trust him and practice it and try it out, was like junior high through high school years primarily. And the thing that I remember most is that what kept my faith, faith going the strongest and me growing towards God is that I had other people to share it with. I had other people that I would go to youth group with, right? That's why I think, guys... The children's church and the youth ministry is so important in getting your kids into that stuff. I know there's sports games and reasons why they can't make it, but make a priority in getting them around other Christians because it's during those years that you're starting to become independent and form your faith and do you really believe this stuff? And in my, my years growing up, I made lots of mistakes, but man, I had a crew of guys that I surfed with that I hung out with. There's a couple of them here this morning, Jimmy, Pea. I know there's, there's guys in here, Pastor Tom. We had each other that we made mistakes and we were learning about God, but we were kind of all going through it together. I mean, to the point where we took pride in hanging out on the weekends and being with the other guys. Because if I was kind of wavering, someone else would go, yeah, praise God. And we'd, we'd push each other to go into church and reading our Bible. We eventually, even someone in the church actually um, had us. They worked at that company, Gotcha. And they made us um, these jackets. Check out these jackets. I was in a, an official Christian surf gang. How's that? I don't know if you guys can see what it says. It says Team Hope Surf. How cool is that? Yeah. We had these jackets made, but I, I pulled this out of the closet the other day and I was thinking about this and I go, it wasn't just like, that's a cool jacket. And I thought I was cool back in the eighties or nineties or whatever, but that what it represented was, man, it was that group of guys that I kind of grew up with that we were all growing in our faith together. We were making mistakes together, but we were keeping each other accountable, watching the way that we talk and not going to the party scene and get messed up with this and that. It's like, we had each other. And one of the greatest benefits to me about God's family is that you, it builds your faith because you're growing in your faith together. Isn't it it's always good to be learning together? Because sometimes you're learning on your own and you just feel like you don't get it. You're just an idiot. I don't understand this stuff. But when you're in it with someone else who's learning at the same pace, then it's like, oh, we got this thing. So one of the first things I want you to see is 
is the benefits of God's family is it, it pushes you back to God. You, your faith is built. Secondly, this is really important is ideally now, I know we're not all there. We make mistakes, but ideally this is what God wants. Is it the benefits of being in God's family is that it shows you real love. Write that down. It shows you real love. There's a verse in Romans chapter 12 where the apostle Paul describes a Christian life and he makes a call out to us and he says, this is the behavior you should have as Christians in God's family. Here's how you should act towards one another. Here's how you should live. And it has to do with real love. Romans 12 verse 9 says, don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Because we got people in our lives that pretend, don't we? We do. I mean, think about it. There's people that pretend to love you, right? You go through a hard time, you're like, oh, that's too bad. Like, oh, yeah, I'll be praying for you. Hey, do you see what was on TV last night? That was pretty awesome. And you're like, wait, wait, did... I'm going through like midlife crisis here or something, and you're talking about walking dead. Like, you don't really care about me. We have people in our lives that are like, I love you, but not really, not that deep. And the Bible is saying, as Christians, you got to be real with one another. You got to really love. Don't just pretend to love people. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection, not imitation affection. Love people with real affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. You know, we did a whole series on that verse right there in Romans, serving the Lord enthusiastically. We called it the Zesty Life series, right? Anybody remember that one? It's about Romans, like, we're going to live, and we're going to be fired up on God and who he is, and we're going to serve him, and we're going to have that zestiness be contagious and, and live life together, living the zesty life. So he says, be zesty in serving the Lord enthusiastically. Then he says, rejoice in the confident hope that you have in Jesus but be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Pray for one another. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. That's a call out for us to, as it says next, always be eager to practice hospitality. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. You know, even in the family of God, sometimes more so than in the world, you're going to get persecuted. People gossip. We, we bite each other and we, we nitpick, right? Jesus is the shepherd. We're the sheep, but sheep bite sometimes, right? And we're like, oh, I hate that. But on the other side of it, we're also supposed to be the ones that carry the most amount of grace for other people, right? And we're supposed to be able to love on people and forgive people. He said, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God would actually bless them. Verse 15 says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. There's a term that I see used in scripture that describes these verses right here. And it's this word, compassion. Compassion is such a good word. It comes from two Latin words that basically means to suffer with. True compassion is when you can actually enter into someone's suffering with them. It's more than imitation love, which is surfacy, which is sympathy, which is like, oh, I feel bad for you. Real true compassion means to suffer with someone is a willingness to respond and take action on their behalf. It means you feel bad for someone, but you also enter into the suffering with them and do whatever you can to alleviate that pain. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Do you have people in your life that are willing to do that with you? Are you that kind of a person that's willing to walk into the valleys, other people's valleys with them, trying your best to help them? That's what real love, that's what the, the, the body of Christ, the family of God is all about here. See, God showed compassion for us by sending Jesus to die on the cross while we were still sinners. He looked at our situation. He goes, you guys are messed up. You're separated from me. That's not my original intent. I'm going to have compassion and enter into your suffering by bringing Jesus into this world to die for you. Jesus, it says countless times in scripture, had compassion on the crowds. 
because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So you know what he did? He stepped in and he did miracles and he blessed their lives and he brought freedom and he brought healing. He couldn't help himself. He saw that we were hurting people and he stepped into our lives. But then it says this in a verse in 1 John three seventeen, that we as God's people are called to show compassion too. It says this, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? In other words, if you claim to have God's love in you and you're a Christian, then you better be someone that, that if there's a need, you're going to do your best to enter into that need with someone and to bring compassion and to help them and to enter into that suffering with them. Um, about, a, about a year ago, I was going through some hard times in my life, some rough stuff. And uh, one day I was home and my, my fan broke in my house and I was just in this hard season of life going through some really tough stuff. So I called my electrician friend from church and I said, hey, can you come over and help me fix a fan? And it took us like two days. We had to take the fan down and go to the certain store that had the motor and do all of this stuff and then reinstall it and all of this stuff. But along the way, I was kind of uh, working with him. He goes, how are you doing in life? And how, how's everything? I'm like, oh, good. And then I said, nah, really not so good. I'm going through some tough stuff. I'm struggling. I just threw it out there. I'm, there's some things I'm going through and it's really hard. And my friend, Jake, actually along the, the way of putting in the fan and everything, she began to open up and began to enter into my suffering with me. And he said, hey, you know what? I've been in that place with you before. Here's some things that have happened in my life. Stuff that I was like, oh my gosh, I never knew this about you. I thought you were just this great guy and you always had everything going good. He goes, no, I've been in those times before. And he began to just pour his heart out and share. And you know what I remember was, it was just we had those good talks for that, that day. But that changed my life more than any sermon possibly could, more than any word from the Lord, is just the fact that my friend entered into my suffering with me and was willing to do whatever it took to expose the rawness of his heart and his past just to enter in and say, I know what it feels like. I'm there with you and I'm gonna do whatever I can to help pull you out of that thing and prayed for me and I'm just like, oh, my life will never be the same just from that one little casual interaction of a day putting in a ceiling fan. And I think that's what compassion is about is willing to get into people's hurts with them and walk through them. Here's the third thing that I think is so great about the family of God, because he talked about the benefits, is it builds your faith, shows real love. Here's the third thing I think is so great, is that people in the family of God are called to believe in the best for others, is to believe for the best in other people's lives. Because there's a problem is sometimes we go astray from the things of God. We screw our lives up, we hurt people, we hurt ourselves, and our lives are a wreck, and they look like they're beyond repair. And they look like you're just down and out. And there's times, probably every one of you in this room, including myself, we've had those times where we just question God. You know what? Maybe this Christian thing, it doesn't really work. I thought it did, but where I'm at right now in life, maybe I should just throw in the towel. Maybe it's time to give up. I don't, I don't really need to wake up early and go to church on a, on a 9 a.m. Sunday anymore. I just, it's not working. And see, we need to be the kind of family that believes in the best for people, that we're going to always hold on to hope that we're going to believe in people's lives and we're going to tell them, you know, your life's not over yet. The story hasn't been written. It's not all said and done. There's a God that is real in your life as much as he is in my life, and I'm not going to put up with you throwing your life away. I'm going to keep believing in you. Amen? I need that in my life, and I want to be that towards other people. Why? Because there's times in life when it's all said and done, and you need to kind of come along in love, slap someone upside the head and say, I believe in you. Stop thinking that way. Stop your... I heard someone say this, you're stinking thinking. You need to, right? That's kind of good. It's kind of corny, but I, I like those things sometimes. But you need to have belief and hope when other people have lost all hope. 
You need to come alongside and go, yeah, I know out there in the world, they're going to look at you and they're say, your life's a disaster. You blew it. Forget it. Leave it in the past and move on. And the family of God's got to come along and say, no, there's still hope. Keep hope alive. I don't care how far you've, you've walked away. There's still room for you. Come on back in. My God loves me. He loves you. And there is still hope. And we need to believe the best in people. When I've been through hard times, I remember there's, there's times I literally have wanted to give up. There's times in, in, in the recent past where I'm like, this, this isn't working, God. Maybe this isn't the call in my life. Maybe I've fulfilled the calling already. I've been pastor long enough, and uh, I did all the good that I can do. You're going to move me into somewhere else. I'm going to quit. I'm going to go into real estate. I'm going to do whatever, right? And there's a friends that I have that text me or call me or to my face just go, no. And I'm like, whoa, take it easy. But like literally come at me with, no, I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. And I'm like, whoa, getting all spiritual and nuts on me. But you know what they're doing? They're believing for God's best in my life, and they're not going to let hope die in my life because they come to me and rebuke me when I need to be rebuked. No, you're a pastor. You're a man of God. Your family life is going to succeed. Your ministry is going to succeed. You are a good friend. You're this, and they just fill me with the hope and the promises of God again when I'd lost all hope. I need people like that in my life, and I think you do too. But you know where it's found? It's found in this room. It's found in the church, the, the worldwide big capital C church, the family of God. And if you're not connected, you're missing out on that. You're missing out, one, on receiving that hope from other people. But here's what you're also missing out on. Someone else is out there missing out on the hope that you're supposed to be giving them. Because you guys have walked through some trials and some hurts and some pains that I've never walked through before. And there's other people in here that need to hear what you have to say because you're going to believe in the best for them. Does that make sense? It's a team effort, guys, and we got to believe in, in the best for people. And here's the fourth thing that, that really speaks to me is that what I find in God's family is people that help you find strength. When you have no strength, they actually help you find, not only do they believe in you and they speak to you and they speak it out, but literally there's times that people have been in my life and they help me find strength, not even by words, but by simply being available and by being present, by just being with me. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says the power of just being connected to other people, just their presence. It says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. But if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. If someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying closely together can keep each other warm, body heat. But how can one be warm alone? The person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. See, just by those two hot coals being together, there's a fire that's burning. And it, you don't allow that coal to get cold, right? Just, Jesus said this, whenever two or more gather in my name, two or more of my family get together, I'm right there amongst them. I'm in your presence right there. Just by our presence, when people are in a place of weakness and they're hurting, just you showing up and being with them can find strength for people. See, my wife, when she gave birth to our first daughter, that was a big deal. Anybody in here ever give birth to a child before? Come on, anybody? Raise your hand. Good. Mostly the women. Good. Um, <laughs> if you've ever given birth to a child, from what I hear anyway, because I've never experienced it, it's pretty painful. Is that right, women? Can you guys? Okay, just checking. I thought I heard that somewhere. It's pretty painful. Never pushed something out that big before. It's just crazy and it's bloody and messy and it's, it's scary. And I remember the first time that, you know, my, my, uh, my wife was pregnant with our oldest 
And it was a scary deal, right? You don't know what to expect. You don't know the level of pain. You've never been in this situation before. You go to the classes and they're like, breathe. You know, you're learning all of that. Le Mans or what is it called? Like Le Mans. I don't even know what it's called. I'm a guy. I mean, I didn't have to do it, right? I just, I made it happen. You know what I'm saying? And then she went through the pain. But there's pain involved, right? It's a scary time. It's a terrifying time. It's a painful time. And I remember just, just in the hospital room and, you know, it's like, am I ready to see what I'm about to see? I don't think I've seen that in real life before other than alien movies. Like, I've never seen this. And I was a little bit scared, but I'm like, I got to be there for my wife. And I remember it was just like, I was trying to, to coach her while she's in labor. You guys remember this, husbands, that you're just like, okay, here's how we breathe. We do the, okay, stop. You know, I was like, oh, is it, are you feeling contractions and all the big words dilating and all that kind of stuff, you know? And, learning about the fundus and all those like cool words. Um, but I remember just praying for my wife. I remember just holding her hand, right? And I'm like, you okay? What's going on? You got this. You got this. And I'm believing in her. She's like, yeah, yeah, pray for me. And I'm praying, praying. Okay, now shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Okay, I'll shut up now. Right? Right? That's like, it hurts, right? And I'm just, she's like, hold my hand. And she's like squeezing my hand super hard. I'm like, ah! I'm like, I got to wear a brave face because it doesn't hurt as bad as what's happening down there. So yeah. Right? It's a crazy process. But I remember my wife just like saying at one point, like, I'm just glad you're here. Just thanks for being here. And I want you to think about that because there's other times in life, you know, other than like childbirth, when people have broken hearts or people have had financial hardship, like you just lost your job or you're in debt crazy or there's people that are just attacking you at work or somewhere and you're just, whatever it is, there's family conflict. And you know, The family of God is supposed to show up for one another and sometimes not even talk. So you just stand with those people. And I was reading this in Job this past week in my devotions, is that there was a time in Job's life, you guys know the story of Job, he's a righteous man, God said there's no one else righteous, this guy will never fail me, faithful man. The enemy comes along, the devil, and he goes, oh yeah, I bet I could make him slip in his faith. And God goes, try your best, you just can't kill him, do whatever you want to do. So the enemy kills off his whole family, destroys all of his land, his cattle, his resources, his riches, even stripped down down to his health. He was covered in boils from head to foot. He just, everything was gone wrong in his life except for the fact that he was still living. And he's just in such suffering and such pain. And it says in the beginning of Job, three of his friends, I forget their names, Bildad and Zophar, whatever, but three guys come along, cared for Job, and they saw him in his suffering. This is what the word says. They sat down with him on the ground for seven days And they didn't say a word. They saw that Job's suffering was too painful for words. There's times in life, guys, that you need the family of God to come alongside and just be there with you. And if they're praying, they're praying quietly. They're just doing their thing. There's times when you don't even have words. Because I know how it's so cliche and we love to throw around Romans 8, 28. Oh, God works all things for the benefit of blah, blah, blah. You know, and we just like, God's going to work it all out. He's got a plan. That's a good word. That's a powerful word. But there's sometimes you don't even want to hear that word. Are you guys hearing me? I'm just being real. There's times it's like, just don't talk, please. But can you just sit with me? Can you just walk me through this incredibly hard time that I'm going through right now? And I think we're called to help people find strength simply by being there with other people. And that we're called to not let people walk through life's valleys alone. Man, I'm so grateful for the people that have been there to support me and that just have been in my life. And sometimes they don't need to talk. There's times in my life when I've been going through stuff and I call my, uh, call my partner, Pastor Tom, right? He's one of our executive pastors, but he's been my friend forever. 
from like uh, junior high days. And we used to have the tradition of every day, is, every Monday is our day off, and so we'd go surfing together. Whether there's waves or not, we would just go and we'd go hunt down waves. And there's times literally, um, because we're guys, and I don't know if women, you guys can attest to this, but there's times that he jumps in the car, we say what's up, turn on the radio, and we'll drive for miles and miles and miles without even talking to each other. Guys, are you guys like anybody? Guys like that? Men, we're kind of like that, right? few words. Women, you're just going, that's terrible. That's ridiculous. I would never be friends with someone that wouldn't talk to me, right? That's how you get women. You can't help it. You have to talk, right? Right? I'm, I'm just saying, that's a reality. But guys get in the car, and they just sit there, and like, they're like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Good. Let's go check this spot. Okay, shoots. Radio on. Just miles of no talking, right? And sometimes... There have been a few times where we literally drive all the way out to North Shore, drive around the whole island, and we just get skunked. There's no waves anywhere. The wind is too bad. It's ugly. It's just whatever. And so we just end up driving all the way back home. I drop off Tom. Hey, right on. Thanks for coming. Yep. <laughs> but here's the weird thing. I actually feel so much better because I just hung out with my friend all day, and I didn't even go surfing, and we barely talked just because... He was there with me being a good friend. Does that make sense? To the guys, you're like, totally. The women, you're like, no, wait, that's so dumb, right? But I think, I think this, whatever way, shape, and form you need to be there for someone, just being present for people does a lot, and it says a lot. And I just feel that, that this, this connecting to God thing, man, it's, it's so important, guys, that just because we're here today, together in the same place, that doesn't make us real friends. Just because you're connected to God's family and he says you are, doesn't make you really, really connected. And so my hope for you today would be that you would actually get connected to the family of God that he's put around you in your life. And you don't have to connect to everybody, but you would take steps towards finding some people that you could hang out with. You know, one of the greatest tools that we have in this church that we've had for years that really has built the connection and the relational ability of this church to love one another and care for one another is called what? Mini church, right? We have this thing called mini church. And if you're unfamiliar, you're like, what is mini church? It's a miniature church. Is it something small? Like, what do you do? And like, we have mini church at my house. Do you guys like take offerings and everything like church and everything? And it was like kind of a bit of a, a term that we all knew, but you had to explain it a little bit. Well, I've been praying on this thing and I'm going, God, I just want people to connect with one another. I just want them to get connected. I want them to not have to explain a word. So guess what I just did this week because of the Holy Spirit leading my life? I just changed the name of mini church. Boom. You guys ready for that? Some of you guys been in the church like 20 years. You're like, I'm leaving this church. You changed the name. Here's what God told me. Just call it connect groups. It's simpler. Because what is the heart of what you're trying to do? Connect people to God and connect people to his family. It fits in line with your vision. You don't have to explain this terminology of mini church. Well, what's a connect group? Oh, we're just trying to connect to God and connect to people. Oh, okay. Well, what's mini church all about? Can you describe it? Well, and here's the three things that mini church is all about from here on out. Connect groups. See, I'm blowing it already. So three things that connect groups are all about. Truth, people, prayer. That's what happens at a connect group is that we are connecting to God's truth in some way. You're talking about the scriptures we talked about in the sermon or you're reading a book or you're reading the word together. You're getting connected to God's truth. Secondly, it's about people. It's about God's family being real with one another, really connecting. 
What I mean by that is that it's not just about going to church and connect group, but you're showing up to your kids' graduations, you're going to soccer games together, you're double dating together, you guys are finding your spouses in the connect groups. I found um, my best friend Tom, who is now like this associate executive pastor of this church, we've known each other forever, because we were in a connect group way back when, and we just got together, truth, people, prayer. I found my wife in connect groups. How many people are single in here? Come on, single people. You, you're looking for a good place to meet another godly person? Connect groups, boom. I don't, you know, don't say I never gave you anything right there. I could have just, just given you your spouse, your future spouse right there. It's a good idea. But, but connect groups are a way that we get connect, people connected around here. That's our biggest and best way. But I, I don't even care if it's connect groups because it may be that you don't even have time or your kids go to bed too early. You just can't make it to a connect group. I just want you to connect to God's family. That means go to the men's ministry, go to the women's ministry, come to that refresh Kaneohe thing where we pass out water bottles in the community. Go take someone to breakfast or lunch after this service here today. Go invite someone to your house for a barbecue, right? Cook a real steak. Don't come to my house. You'll get leather. No good. But the heart of what we're trying to say here today and the value of this church is after you're connected to God, you need to stay connected to God by connecting to God's family by connecting to other people. So whatever it looks like, someone told me this. Hey, I got a Harley Davidson. I like to ride. Do you guys have like a riding ministry? I go, no, but you should start one right now. Any way that you can connect to God's family is gonna be healthy and it's gonna be a good thing because it's gonna push you back to God. Amen? So I want us all to get connected here. So we're actually doing something to, to kind of like prime the pump a little bit. We've actually put these cards on your seat right here. I'm gonna take this out really quick. So I wanna take a couple minutes to go through this. That we're, we're kind of pushing that you would get connected to a, what used to be called mini church no longer, right? The artist formerly known as mini church is now connect groups. We want you to get into a connect group. If you've never been in one, there's, look on both sides of this, there's different ways. You can take this out to the, the courtyard, there's connect boards. You can actually scan something on your phone, there's like a QR code, and it'll tell you about that mini church and stuff like that. Or if you're going, I don't know anything about it, but would you call me and recommend a good one? Here's, here's who I am. I live in this town. I'm married or I'm unmarried or whatever. Who could I fit with? People at this church would love to get you connected some way, shape, or form. And if it's not a connect group, but if you're just going, hey, when is that um, community outreach thing the church is doing? I'd love to be a part of that. Hey, when's the next women's conference? I'd love to just be a part of that. I'd love to meet some other women. Hey, my kids, they're, they're high school age. Is there something for them? All we want at this church is to connect you to the family of God. And if you would take the time to take this out there to the board, sign up online, whatever, here's what I think is best, though. If you are saying in your life right now, I need to be more connected to God's family, then all you got to do is at the bottom of that one side, just write your name and your phone number, and someone's going to call you, and all you tell them is, I just, I just want to get connected to my church a little bit more. I'm looking for other people that are going to bless my life and could speak into my life, and maybe I have something to share with them as well. Here's what we're asking you right now. Just write your name, your phone number, and the ushers are going to come by with the bucket, and you can just drop it in there, and we will call you tomorrow, this week. We know it's so important to get you connected. Is that good? Take the time. If you're not connected, if you're sitting here going, I'm connected enough, really, are you? Or are you just in the same place with a bunch of people, but you're not really connected, right? Wise words from a pig. Please remember that right there. Wilbur, next time you watch Charlotte's Web. Can I? I got time. I want to I read this. Chinese fable to you really quick. I think it's really cool. It says, as you're filling out your cards and the ushers are going to come by with the buckets pretty soon to pass them in. But listen to this. A Chinese fable tells of a woman who'd suffered a great loss and day by day was succumbing to her grief. 
Desperate for help, she visited a wise man in the village. For this magic to work, he said, she was to collect one mustard seed from a family who had never felt the sting of deep sorrow. He goes, you want to make your hurt go away? If you can find one family that's never hurt before and you go get a mustard seed from them, then your, your troubles will be cured. So the woman immediately went throughout the village from door to door seeking the magic seed that would heal her pain. But to her surprise, she found that no one that hadn't struggled. What she discovered along the way, however, was a community of people who understood the suffering that she'd endured. And as she shared her pain with each one, and they shared their pain with her, she felt comforted in the midst of her heartache and was lifted to new strength. It says, it was then that she realized what the wise man had always known. There was no magic seed. Her search had simply revealed a community of people who struggled just like her. Isn't that good? See, God's family is full of people that are ordinary people, that are messed up people, that are hurting people, just like you and me. And the sooner we connect and we realize, wait, we're all going through this together, we begin to encourage each other. We begin to share our stories together. And in the midst of it, something magical happens, something spiritual, as God's Holy Spirit is stirred up and our faith is renewed and our strength comes in there. And we realize that we're stronger together than we are one-on-one with God. He designed us for family. He designed us for community. He designed us to be a body. So get connected. Is that a good word this morning, guys? I want you to get connected. Just as a little plug now, last minute plug is, we're starting a new extension service on Easter and we need volunteers, we need people to get connected, we need ushers, we need people to commit. A Huimanu campus of HCKB is coming on Easter Sunday. It's gonna be good, it's good stuff. But let's pray right now, let's bow our heads and pray. God, we, um, we come before you right now, we thank you for your family. We thank you for you, first and foremost. Family means nothing if we're not connected to you, Lord. We thank you for who you are in our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us, every one of us, to connect better at a deeper level. Not only to connect with others, but it's not just for our benefit. It's that we have something to offer other people. And Lord, that as we connect, that you would show us what we have to offer. With all the, the scars that we have, the memories, the stories, the experiences, the gifts, the strengths in our life. We all have something that someone else needs. Lord, that you would show us that too as we reach out to other people and as, as we get connected. Lord, we ask that, that we would actually take action on this this week, that we'd get into a connect group or we just, we just meet some people. We just go to lunch with someone after this or we make plans to go to the beach or, or, or hang out with the kids' soccer team together or whatever it looks like. Lord, that we would actually take advantage of this, this huge tool you've given us in your family. Help us to do that, God. Help us to commit to that right now in Jesus' name. And I want to say another prayer right now. We've all got our eyes closed and heads bowed, but if there's anyone in the room, you've never made that first connection, that first commitment, which is to God. Just connecting to other people isn't going to do it unless you're connected to God first. So what I want to do right now is I want to pray a prayer, give an opportunity to pray with you if you've never connected to God in a real way. You've never prayed to him and you've never done this because this is what it takes. You never admitted to him that you're a sinner and you're in need of a savior that you recognize that sin has separated us from a relationship with God because God is holy, he's perfect, there's nothing sinful about him. And for us to have a relationship with him, we have to be sinless. That's not possible on our own. And so what happens is we believe that Jesus came to this earth to pay the price for our sin that separates us from God. He went to the cross, he rose again, proving he has power over the sin that he died for and the shame and the guilt and the hurt in our lives. 
but it's only through Jesus that we're going to have a relationship with God and be able to really connect to him in a real eternal way. And so what we're about to pray here is a prayer that acknowledges that you, you need Jesus. And that from here on out, you're going to surrender your life, turn away from the ideals, the opinions, the thoughts of what you think life is all about on your own. But suddenly you're surrendered and going, there's a God that's bigger and better and smarter than me. And he has my best interest in mind. And he has power to make changes in my life. And I'm going to pledge my allegiance to him. And I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to say yes to all that he has for my life. And in doing so, he sets you free. He forgives you. He begins to work in your life. His Holy Spirit begins to do new and exciting things. Supernatural things you could never do on your own. He begins to change your life. Not only here on earth, but for all of eternity, you get to be with him and the rest of God's family in heaven. There's no need for fear of death or pain or suffering is that you got heaven to look forward to. And if that's a commitment that you're willing to walk into this morning and say, Pastor Carl, I want that. It's time I made a real commitment to God. I want to know him as my Lord and Savior. I want to open the door for all he has in my life and through his family and through all the gifts that he's got, my answer is yes. If that's, that's you, I'm going to say a prayer for you really quickly. I'm going to pray the words out loud, and I'm going to ask you just to pray them along with me in your heart, just quietly. God judges us on our heart. After service, however, you should go and tell people. Tell people you came with, people have been praying for you. Let them know, hey, I'm going to let you know I'm a Christian now. Because, see, God is proud of us when we're proud of him. But the first step is in the heart right now. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer out loud. You pray it along with me quietly in your heart. But I want you to let me know if you're going to be praying with me. And the way that you're going to do that is real simple. Everyone else has got their eyes closed and their heads bowed. If you want to pray this prayer to connect with God in a real way right now, big time, he's speaking to you and you're about to speak to him. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand just to let me know, just so I can see you, so I know that we're praying here together this morning. Okay, real plain and simple. On the count of three, lift those hands. One, two, three. Would you raise your hands and hold it up until I see you? I see one person here. I see two. I see three. I see, looking around, four. I see five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm looking around. Is there anybody else? It's at least nine people. And if that was you, put your hand down right now. And I just, I want you to pray this in your heart right now with me. I'm going to pray it out loud. God, I'm here today and I recognize my need for you. I really want to connect with you in a real way. Whether I've been connected before or not, Lord, this is it. This is real. I'm asking you, Father God, that you would be my God from here on out. I believe what Jesus did on the cross. I believe that he paid the price for my sins. And Lord, from here on out, I'm all in. Lord, I I need some help. I believe that you're giving me your Holy Spirit and you're you're putting me into a great family that's going to also help me to live out what I believe now in my heart and that you're going to save me and that you're going to do great things in my life. Thank you for that, God. I ask, Father God, that you would help me to, to... begin to learn and to walk this life of faith out together as I get a Bible and as I, I learn to pray and talk to you, as I, I get committed to this church, Father, that's going to help encourage my walk and, and build strength in my life. Lord, as I receive the power of your Holy Spirit to do what I can't do on my life alone, in my power alone, Lord, you're going to begin to do in my life. Lord, all that you have for me right now, my answer is yes. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for this new connection that we have. And in Jesus' name, the church says Amen. Amen. Let's praise God for nine people that made that best decision of their life right there. So good. So good. Well, first steps, if that was you that raised your hand, we would love for you to go to the side doors right over here, which we call the Connect Center. They're going to tell you about how you can get baptized, about when our new believers classes, all that's available in this church for you to get connected to the body of Christ. So if you'd go right out there, they'll take care of you. If you have any prayer requests and you would love to connect with 
a brother or sister, there's some people in the back that would love to just pray with you and for you. Can we all stand and let's go out of here this Sunday morning just singing one last song of praise to our God. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit.